you know, I know you guys are soft serve snobs, but I had a an ice cream cone, like it was the the half and half, chocolate and vanilla, and then the dip. You know, the dip it's one of my soft serve snobs. I like soft uh, serve. I was gonna say I love soft serve ice cream. Well, maybe it's because I'm still better than you guys compared to Kraft Dinner. No. Mm. Uh, or not Kraft Dinner, Kraft Cheese Slices. I think you're thinking of a different podcast. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that puts the lotion in the basket. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today is the sickly Christopher Young. Hi. And Patrick Armstrong. Hello. I'm Cameron Wong, and I'm in perfect health. And this is episode 38, and today we'll be looking at season 3, episode 23, The Parking Space. There's a nasty cold going around. I had it, and now I feel superhuman. Chris Young, how are you feeling? Um, I felt better. What's with the Silence of the Lambs reference? Did I miss something in this episode? Is there is there a link to Silence of the Lambs that I'm missing? No. Just felt like creeping out our viewers. Listeners. Yes. It puts the lotion in the basket. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's this is a, This is a family podcast, so I can't make the reference I want to make. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, everything's, everything's fine, you know? Still got a crackhead mare. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you have what? Crackhead Alleged- mare. Allegedly a crackhead oh. mare. I, is anyone even debating it besides Rob Ford at this point? Doug Ford? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's quite a scenario out there. You, did you uh, read about the police raids? Got the police raids. They're all like, yeah, I know that guy. I mean, he's going down. Maybe. Who knows? He's going all the way down. Chris, uh, I know a big event happened in your life this week. <sighs> Did it? iOS seven. What do you think? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that happened. That was a big event in all of our lives, though. World shaping, particularly, particularly Patrick's, who does so much more of that sort of thing than I know. You two work a little bit together on that sort of stuff, but it seems like Patrick's the one with the developer. Are you referencing our iOS uh, fork? <laughs> You've started so many iOS apps. I, I keep. I can't keep control of them. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. I like it. Uh, I think some of those logos are kind of fugly, but overall, I think it looks really nice. They got Pretty time exciting. To some. They do, and I, I think what I'm going to do is I don't think I'm going to run it on my uh, my iPhone four because I plan on getting whatever the next hardware releases pretty quickly. So it'll be it'll be like a brand new phone all around. The iPhone fives. Fives. That's right. I'm buying two. It's pronounced fives. Yeah. Five S. Patrick, how are you? Good. I had that uh, cold that was going around. Mm-hmm. Feeling much better now. Just slightly congested. It was a bad cold, though. I felt terrible. It's probably the worst cold I've ever had. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. It could might not be that bad. But uh, not yeah. so bad that you broke your streak, though, Cameron. Right? I don't think anyone throws up from a cold. Could be a really bad cold. <laughs> the old stomach cold. That's right. But uh, I'm doing well. Went to the market, mm-hmm. ate a tamale. Ooh, hot tamale? It was hot. 
Went to the beach. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Do you have a beach tamale? Are there mild tamales? I don't know. Doesn't hot refer to the temperature? I don't know. Well, then why do they say it's a hot tamale? Because it's hard to hold because it's so hot, like a hot potato. But if it's if if tamale refers to the temperature, isn't it like it's a hot hot? I don't know. I mean, I it's guess a real you, stumper. Could, you could probably just serve it not that hot. Yeah, but it, you steam it, so it's going to be pretty hot. Yeah, but you could let it cool first. Anyway, it was delicious. Had some salsa verde on it. Mm-hmm. I'd eat another one. That means the salsa Green. of truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Many verde vici. <laughs> Cameron, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I, uh, I saw The Man of Steel on Thursday. Mm-hmm. How would you like it? It's probably the best Zack Snyder movie I've seen. Hmm. Better than Can't the imagine. So, well, for our listeners who aren't aware, the only Zack Snyder movie I like is the Dawn of the Dead remake. And I think this is better than that movie. Is that the one with Sarah Polly? It is. Yeah. Oh, that one's good. I yeah. like that one. Scary. Mm-hmm. Still in a mall. They kept Still that part. Mall. But I was really scared when I watched that movie. Mm-hmm. Me too. But, I should uh, watch that again. I would watch that again. It's worth it, I would say. Yeah. But Man of Steel, pretty good. The visual effects, really great. Uh, a weird... Uh, I, I felt like they had some weird choices. I'm not, I'm not going to have any spoilers in there. But uh, overall, probably worth watching. A lot better than Transformers. Mm. Now, you say the visual effects are really great. That's a... You know, in this sort of in this in this in this day and age, that to me is almost a strange thing to say about a movie. Um, in in that visual effects are just across the board excellent. I, like I, I can't remember the last time I was impressed by the visual effects in something really because because they're all they're they're always excellent now. Are you never like uh, excited by the spectacle? Sure, but I, I guess I'm, I'm excited by art direction now, and like I mean, the visual effects in Transformers are amazing, but I hate them when they look like crap. Uh, whereas, See, I, you know, I, I guess when I say that I liked the visual effects, it includes the art direction of the visual effects, right? I'm not okay. saying that it, it. I'm not comparing it to Carnosaur, which is an amazing uh, movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I mean, no. like a movie like a movie like Transformers, I think three does have a lot of like buildings falling over and stuff like and same thing with like Avengers. Uh although I guess I kind of liked Avengers. Um but like from what I've seen of the trailers, the effects do look really good. But I guess how many different ways can you show a city being destroyed by stuff? It's and it's it, I, I you know, I just know that Justin watches or listens to our show and he'd be upset if I went into it too much, but Needless right. to say, there's stuff that they don't show in the trailers that I think is, is pretty fun the way they do it, and okay. I think it it really works with the Superman universe. What does that sound? Henry Cavill, the super formerly the star of a perfume commercial, an excellent perfume commercial <laughs> that may or may not have copywritten music <laughs> dubbed over I, top of it. I mean, I gotta flag that soon. It's getting dangerously <laughs> close. I've long threatened that when that video was right, like at the $99 mark, just before it's about to cash out, that I would flag it as having inappropriate content. 
<laughs> hey, Chris, do you have anything that uses a lot of internet open? Uh, I don't. This oh. connection's back to okay. Oh, okay. We're back yeah. to the green light. For a bit, you were sounding a little, little ghosty. Oh, ghosty? Yeah. Ghost Chris. He Ghost. burned down 30 years ago. Okay. So. So, okay, Chris, Henry Cavill, though. How, your, your thoughts on him? He's okay. You know what? Um, his American accent was fairly convincing. He. Oh, I didn't def- even know he was not American. He's British, I believe. Uh, he looks. He looks like Superman, but you know what? What does that mean? Because so did that Brandon Routh guy that no one remembers. It's just a handsome man with a big chin and dark hair. Yeah. Um, you know what? See, I, I never thought Brandon Routh... Sorry, go ahead. I, I'm just... I, I think that... Once again, my biggest complaint with this movie is that... Su- they don't really have much time to kind of, like, flex the character of Superman. Superman is Superman. Uh, it's a it's a weird thing because they kind of represent in some ways like Superman pre Superman is like Wolverine and then post super post at some point you know he's like he becomes Superman and he's not like that but he I mean in visual presentation he's got his like his hair he's like super hairy chested and like absolutely huge and ripped and my first thought was he looks like Hugh Jackman it looks like Wolverine here huh. I'm not saying that he's like Wolverine in any way or form but they that's how they kind of present him does he have yep. claws. Well, of course Superman has claws. Does he have a little curl in his hair? He's got a curl in his hair. That's good. A lot of curls. It's funny, because talking about Brandon Ruth, you know, I never thought he seemed... He, it was... I feel like they did not cast him to do Superman. I felt like they cast him to be Christopher Reeve. And that was was one of the problems with that movie, I thought. I mean, that movie had a lot of problems. I mean, I don't want to... You know, if you haven't watched... Don't spoil Superman Returns for me. If you haven't watched Superman Returns... Skip ahead a minute. Skip, skip ahead one minute, okay? So skip ahead now. I mean, my feeling is that the big problem is that Superman was a deadbeat dad. That was the problem totally. in that movie. Mm-hmm. Superman got Lois Lane pregnant and then left the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's the worst reveal of all time that he, he, the kid is Superman's kid. Everyone knew it for the whole movie, and I'm sure someone would argue that it's not supposed to be a surprise, but it was awful. It was a bad movie, and I don't need to see a 3D spinning bullet impact on Superman's eye. It's bad. That's right. All right, well, shall we uh, set this up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, head on over to whatsthedealshow.com, where we will have the show notes and a little picture for this week's episode entitled The Parking Space, and in this week's episode, Jerry finds out that Kramer's friend, Mike Moffat, has called him a phony. Meanwhile, Elaine and George, coming back from the flea market, get into a dispute over a parking spot with said Mike Moffat. Begin scene. Now, I watched a syndicated version of the show so i mm. missed the opening monologue oh. so one of you guys is gonna have to talk about it all right well this is kind of fun i'll i'll do it so you ready? Uh, <laughs> in this one in uh in the first scene in the monologue jerry's talking about how cars trying to get into those spots just for compact spaces isn't that prejudice 
how can they tell him to park anywhere else? People don't have compact, I don't know, butts for their jeans, I believe is where this goes to. I wasn't really sure I understood this uh, monologue. I think Jerry saw some kid with his pants too low and he got upset. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Those compact, the, the small car parking only spots continue to exist. And they often kind of shock me because, I mean, they usually, number one, everyone just parks in them. The biggest truck, the smallest car, but oftentimes it's right next to another spot that is the exact same width and length. I don't really understand. Yeah, and people, yeah, people definitely park a huge car. They'll park like an Escalade. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. That's a small car. What I always like though is that moment where you see the person kind of like running it through their head. Does this car count as small? Small compared to what? It's not a Hummer H2. <laughs> Well, the guy in the Hum Rage 2 is, you know... It's not a semi with a trailer. <laughs> it's not the Pope Mobile. Actually, I think that is a small car. It's not a limousine. <laughs> That's more long. Uh, and I, I've often done that, because I've gone up a car size. I used to be in what would probably be considered a small car. Or at least I started my driving career in my blessed 1989 Ford Festiva in a smaller car. There's nothing small about that car, Cameron. <laughs> It had a big heart. But I, That's right. I've moved up now to the Soccer Mom Ford Escape. It's an SUV, and I'm still going into those small car only parking spots. It is on the small side of SUVs. Yeah, I mean, it's not a Hummer H2. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Okay. Let's, see, let's say you, you see a guy pull into a disabled parking spot mm-hmm. and. He's got no sticker. No so sticker wait, so on. the parking spot itself is disabled? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got no thing on his mirror. He gets out. He skips into the store. Clearly no disability. You're giving that guy a dirty look. You know, mm-hmm. maybe someone's given someone else giving him a dirty look. Are you ever getting the dirty looks from like smart car drivers <laughs> that you, you know, does the Escalade driver get a dirty look? From the mini driver for taking that spot? You know, I think people driving a smart are smug enough. They've just got a permanent, like, smug face on. You know, they'll park. You've seen them where there's, like, three feet, and they'll park right up to another car. They'll leave, like, half an inch. Are you thinking about out front of my apartment building? Everywhere, but particularly in front. (laughs) Like, somewhere will park right. They'll give the car in front zero space, and they'll already be parked close to the car in front of them. Yeah. There's no way they can leave, but they're like, they're in a smart, they can park wherever You've they want. You've seen that smart car out front, right? Yeah. Because that guy, he just jams into these tiny little pillbox spaces. I don't know how he does it, because honestly, there's not enough room to move that car. I think he's getting out, picking up the car, and just sliding it in there. Taking a picture. <laughs> he's got little runners. To Sending it to his push friends. Push the car around on, yeah. Okay, well, well, okay, well, smug, you know, small, smug, self-satisfied uh, electric cars. Let's say you just got a hatchback. Let's say you got Cameron's Ford Festiva. Yeah. You know, are are you giving a dirty look? You know, to actually, that guy in the SLA that's taking your spot. I, I might be, but I mean, I don't feel like I'm royalty in society because I've got the Ford Festiva. Yeah, I mean, Why? I have I have a Ford uh, Focus. Wait, not Focus. <laughs> are you sure? Ford Focus. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Ford Focus. Forgot for a while. And when I see a big car in a parking spot, I'm like, that's not a small car. That should be my spot. Yeah. So I am. I guess I am. Oh. No? 
So when you see my Ford Escape in the small car parking, you're, you're irritated? I look to see if the tail end of the car extends beyond the line. If the tail oh. end of the car extends beyond the line, I reserve the right to be irritated. Now, you see, my thing is that I think they should have a difference, actually, because we're talking about two different things. I think when you say small car, we're talking about fatness. We're talking about the Yeah, I'm thinking car, narrow. I'm thinking car. narrow. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what you mean by extending past the line. If there is, because there are some spots where it says small car, but it's not the width. It's that the parking space itself is short. So they should have short oh. car parking. Yeah, sometimes it'll be like in a parking garage, the very first spot, like when you're coming around the corner. They want a shorter car there, so there's more oh. space to make the turn. I've never seen that. So I think they should specify because I yeah. think there's a difference. short or skinny car. Yeah. Okay. Now okay. I've recently been thinking about how all over Victoria there are these car charging spots for electric cars. I mean, there's probably like. 10 electric cars in Victoria, and those spots are right at the front. They're getting that primo parking. But, you know, I see cars with, like, conventional internal combustion engines parking in those spots all the time. Well, that's I bet I those electric car people, they're feeling really irritated that they can't charge their car for free. Yeah, I mean, my ultimate fantasy is always just to, like, key a car. I don't yeah. have the nerve, but I really want to. I think about to. it sometimes. Like, that guy who has, like, a junky sunfire and he's worried about buffing uh, or getting a scrape on it so he takes up two parking spots i just want to make that thing look like a skating rink yeah i thought of another good good defacing you know car thing what if what if you just like had like a sign that was some sort of expletive You'd have to have this, like, ready. Like, maybe it's a neighbor that you don't like, right? This is more of a, this isn't a spur of the moment, I'm going to key your car thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had to I had to epoxy something uh, a couple days ago. And I'm thinking, God, if you did this to someone's car, this would not only be something they couldn't get off without, you know, taking it to someone professionally, but be expensive for them to, to get the thing off. Meanwhile, they'd have to drive around with this this sign that you've made for them. I mean, I'm not going to lie, actually, that might be my new ultimate fantasy. And my new ultimate fantasy is actually to have bumper stickers made up yeah. that say, like, I'm a Calstruck who takes up multiple fantasy? parking spots. And then I just, I like, I epoxy that thing, like, some rubber cement yeah. onto their car. Yeah. 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 Have the exact offense that they have committed. Yeah. I mean, if there's something yeah, I can yeah, do yeah. at mobile and, like, actually have a picture of it right on there of oh, that yeah. vehicle. And they'd have to drive around with that for like at least a day before they had to. Uh, maybe they couldn't get into the into the parking into the the you know the the body shop for a few days. Maybe they've got work all that week. They're driving around for for days with that sign. You just publicly shamed them in a way that they had no idea, and it's going to be expensive for them to to fix it. This is amazing. Oh, this is good. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's find someone we don't like. Um, so the next scene, <laughs> they're at Jerry's. Jerry's car is not on the street. Uh-oh. Is it stolen? Yes. What has happened? I think it is stolen. Is it? Uh, nope. Oh. It's not. So what, what did happen? Well, Kramer comes in. Kramer really wants to know what's going on. Jerry makes him beg. He loaned the car to George and Elaine. They went to a flea market. Now, number one, Kramer is almost in early season Kramer form because he goes in there and he's basically thrilled to tell Jerry that his car has been stolen. Something bad has happened, Jerry. 
Let me tell you about it. Like, why is he so happy at Jerry's Misery still? I don't get it. Um, I don't know if he really is that happy. I don't, I don't know if I quite agree that this is the same as as early season taking pleasure in other people's misfortune. I think he likes to be the one to tell him, but I think I, I, I think he's excited to be the the, the 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 bearer of any news, but I don't think this is quite as as reveling in the problem. And also, I don't understand why Jerry immediately realizes this is something to taunt Kramer with. It seems a little bit off. Um, uh, just because he can tell it's driving him crazy, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a little comeuppance. I mean, to be fair, in a few seconds. Jerry wants to know something. Oh wait, There's... no, that's in a later scene. Yeah. <laughs> now, Never have mind. we have we already watched? I'm starting. You know, we're don't want to boast, but we're rounding in on forty episodes here. Yeah, we um, are. Have we already had the Morning Thunder? This is how Jerry throws up episode. Have we watched that now? We... No. No. Oh wait, maybe yes. I think he has because because so... there was that phase where they insisted that Jerry didn't drink caffeine. Right, and, and... he got the tea that had caffeine in it yeah and so this is my thing though was that one moment did did something happen between here and now that elaine and george are suddenly friends enough to go to the flea market because before they couldn't do anything and now they are now they're doing stuff all over the place they're loving it yeah they love that flea market yeah i don't know that's Off-screen a good friends osf um yeah and so OSF mavericks <laughs> So, <laughs> the big problem in this scene is that Kramer, he's upset that George and Lane did not invite him to go uh, go to the flea market with him. He thinks he's not too happy about it. He thinks they don't like him. That's it. So before that scene, uh, we cut to the car, and Elaine and George are coming back from the flea market. Isn't that in the same part where he, he thinks that they don't like him? No. Oh. Okay. Well, I guess there's a scene. <laughs> They're in the car. They come back from the flea market. Maybe the syndication episode's different. Maybe they come. Oh, maybe. Yeah, so George, he's got, uh, I don't know how to describe it, an Indiana Jones hat on. Mm-hmm. But almost more of a Tilly hat. But just a flavor of Indiana Jones. Yeah. He's trying to look a little rakish, I think. But, uh, and, a little roguish. Uh, roguish, a rakish. Rogue rake. Uh, and he's talking about hats, how when everyone wore hats, must have been a bald paradise. Guess. I mean, I'm kind of glad that everyone stopped wearing hats. Let your own real hat show. Your hair? Your real hat being your hair. Now, the irony of this being that I just bought a hat recently, but, uh... And see, but you're, you're from a position of, like, full head of hair privilege, you know? You're not bald. But I know some bald people, and they just... You just go with... Yeah, there was a bald person at my son's wedding. <laughs> but don't you think that if you were bald, you would like the opportunity to cover it up, just so everyone didn't have to know that you were bald? Well, you can still wear a hat. The hat is an option. I'm just glad we're not living in a society of basically mandatory hats. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Like, if we all had to, like, oh, we're going out, gotta get my hat, I, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I don't look good in a hat. I mean, I'm happy for a bald person to have a hat. I'm, I'm happy for them to, to hide it and not be the bald guy. But I'm just glad that we don't all have to wear the hat. Um, yeah, so back at the apartment, 
Jerry's having a party for the fight. Jerry's getting things ready. Kramer wants to know what's going on. Um, so, Kramer says that you don't want to be on his bad side. Because mm-hmm. he's like ice. <laughs> uh, do you think what we saw in this episode is exactly what it's like to be on his bad side? Or do you think that in Kramer's mind it's worse than that? I feel like he's just showing his bad side. You know, he's got the, he's, he's real icy to George and Elaine. He is, but it's almost like, it's ridiculously icy. Where he kind of like scooches along the wall like a prison break to get by Elaine. I just feel like Kramer thinks that is how you're mean to people. (laughs) Um, So also in the scene, now Kramer, the shoes on the other foot or something like that, some expression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now Kramer has information that Jerry's dying to know. You see, Kramer baits Jerry with a line about, I was talking to Mike Moffat on the phone Mm -hmm. about you. Well, he invited Mike Moffat over to come for the fight. Because, you know, Jerry likes Mike. At least he thinks he does. And now he wants, he does the same rigmarole with Jerry. He wants Jerry to beg him. But then even after Jerry does the beg, he says, no, I can't tell you. I'll tell you this. There's nothing more infuriating than when someone drops a juicy piece of information that says, well, I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, it's a real bait and switch. It is. You just, you just don't say anything. Yeah. If you're that bound to secrecy. But I'll tell you this. If someone called one of my very good friends a phony... I'd snitch. I would snitch. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's quite an insult. Yeah, like, if Felix tweeted us and said, Patrick's a phony, I would tell Patrick. We'd <laughs> ban too. the whole of Northern Europe from listening to What's the Deal. Wow. I take insults seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, Phony's a tough one, too. It is. I I don't understand why Mike would even want to hang out with a phony. What's he doing coming to this this fight? Mike probably doesn't have cable. Maybe he doesn't have HBO. Go to a bar. Watch the fight. Go to a bar. Watch the fight there. Yeah, but this is catered. The chips and the drinks are already paid for. Mike doesn't have a job. He's a deadbeat like George. Hmm. There's a freebie, chip and fight and possibly beer party going on. You know what? If Mike is going to this thing and he doesn't like Jerry, he's a phony too. He is a phony. That's true. <coughs> I mean, I did have that thought. I wrote, uh, wrote it down here that, honestly, it's a really serious comment to <coughs> accuse somebody else of being a phony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, in passing, you know, if you kind of heard that, it almost sounds like a nothing insult. Like something a child would say. He's a phony. But That's a bad you know, one. When an adult says it. No. Well, because it's not like it's a one-time thing, like, like oh, he lied that one time, so I don't know how much I trust him. It's saying he is a person that continually is fake. That is his identity. You know, how can you get away with it? You can't change your identity. That's who you are, by definition. It's what the word means. <laughs> I love the born identity. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Ren is a real phony. Oh, Jeremy Renner is a phony. Did you see that movie, Chris? I didn't, know. This is spoiler central. Here's a spoiler. That movie stinks. That's a shame. The Bourne Legacy is a sham. It didn't make any sense. Chris, in The Bourne Legacy, there's a super soldier, Jeremy Renner, who takes smart pills 
Okay, he has to take smart pills to keep himself from becoming dumb. That is the drive of the movie. So it's basically Flowers for Algernon, but with fighting. I think Cameron said the same same joke. No, Chris said that joke last week. We were talking about Flowers for Algernon last week. I know, but you said that joke when you watched that movie. I'm very clever. <laughs> um, we're very clever in the same ways, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so then the next scene, they cut to the car. The car has a noise now. And George is pretty upset because he's really proud of his driving. He thinks he's a good driver in general, but he's especially a good parker. (laughs) Now, that's another big complaint to tell somebody they're a bad driver. Because I think, basically, unless that person owns it, uh, it could be shattering to one's ego for someone to tell totally. them they're a bad driver. I think people in general think they're a good driver. Like because they're always seeing people on the road doing stupid things. They're like, I'm not doing that stupid thing. I'm a good driver. He's a bad driver. Mm. I think it's also because driving is so enjoyable and you know you take such pride. Like for people that love their cars and you know really like people that like baby their cars or that or that you know make sure that it's always clean for people that take a lot of pride in driving and in their cars they could be terrible drivers and it's like it's like being told you're bad at sex like there's probably it's probably something you've always been bad at and you've always thought you were good at it and you've always enjoyed being good at it in your head Chris, you told- sound like you're speaking from the voice of experience yeah, nope. Chris is really good at sex. That's right. Um, I'm an excellent Parker in bed. I don't know what that ladies. Chris ladies. tries to back in. That's right. <laughs> hey Um Yeah, and so George he's he's has this whole system for finding a parking space. He goes for the optimal spot, circles out. Elaine just wants to get to this this fight. She doesn't want to be late. She says you should go in a garage. George says that's like hiring a prostitute. No, yeah, George he hates doesn't to just, pay. George doesn't just say this, and this to me is key to the whole debate later on. But George takes a minute and like sermonizes on his methodology for parking and all this parking theory and stuff like that like it's a lengthy spiel he goes on he's got a lot of pride in this parking now did you guys notice that once again george talks about his brother in this scene yeah i did yeah lloyd braun <laughs> yeah um it's very it's very very strange that he won't pay for parking at all like well i guess it's not it's george but i mean the fact that his entire family rejects it, like a cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I have some sympathy with George here in this scene because I love to talk about my parking. I don't know if it's just because of years of watching Seinfeld made me think it would be a funny thing to talk about. But anytime I get like a good parking spot, I like to talk about how lucky people are to know me who are in the car. <laughs> uh, I think my I dad does the exact that, same thing. I claim that parallel parking is a superpower of mine. Well, maybe it is, Cameron, but George talks about how you can't impart his, his, his parking ability. You taught me how to parallel park in one night the day before my driver's test. And you passed. Kicked its ass. 
But George, he refuses. He wants to keep that good parking ability to himself. He does not, yeah, he denies that it's even possible to teach it. So here's the clutch question. As George uh, backs into his space after this big yarn about his amazing parking ability, another car pulls in head first, and now they're kind of like each half a car into this parking spot. Patrick, do you pull in front first when you go to park, or do you parallel park? If there are, like, no cars behind the space, mm-hmm. I'll pull in head first, you know? Because if I've got lots of room... Because if there's just even just one car, like, two spaces, and I want to park in the far one, it's still pretty hard because you can't, like, get your tail end all the way in unless you do some backing up. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the parallel park. But if there's lots of room, I'll pull in head first. So what's your minimum amount of free car lengths to pull in head first? Maybe three. If there's three, I'll try it. Three. Chris? Yeah, I'm pretty much with Patrick here. If uh, if there's enough room to get in there. And it also all depends on your turning radius in your car. Like some cars, I don't think you can really do the pull-in. It's just it's hard to get that angle right from the front. It can be difficult. Like my mom's old car, so difficult to, 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 to get to the side like that and then straighten out. It's tough. Had to do the had to do the reverse. I'm of the same opinion, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what? If I have about three to two and a half car lengths, I'll probably just pull in head first because it's fine. But otherwise, I back in. I do the proper parallel park. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, I get nervous, though, sometimes because you're downtown. Say you're like George and you see this good spot and you just know that if you pull forward past the spot so you can do a proper back in, some moron is going to come in head first, and steal that spot. You know what? Probably someone in a smart. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> See, but the thing... and I just thought you talk- were double parked. I thought the spot was for me. <laughs> then they get into this whole argument, right? Yeah, well, that's the... That's, the, that's no. basically the conflict of the rest of the episode, talking about yeah. this. No one can decide. No one can agree. It's weird that we're all agreeing, basically. Well, no, here we're not agreeing. We're asking, the, the, the question isn't whether or not it's okay to pull in. The question is, in the episode, whose spot was that? And does one, does one method supersede the other? Well, you know, the difficult part is George was up there, as Elaine says, pontificating about his parking. Mike just sees the spot. He's a couple cars. George is a couple cars down. It seems, you know, and then Mike goes to pull in. That's then the clutch for me. Yeah. There's a is key it... element missing, I think. A key element to render the ultimate verdict. Because I think that, in all fairness, that spot could be George's the whole time what you have to put on your turn signal. Absolutely, yeah. If, it doesn't Absolutely. matter how long oh, he's and there. you're in he... reverse. Yeah, if you're in reverse with that turn signal on... You can yeah. sit there for a couple minutes, and that's yours. Yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Does George do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. distinctly remember you hearing know, the tick-tick noise. I bet if we watched the episode, we could watch him switch it into reverse, like if we watched it again. Yeah. Cause we if, could go to the videotape record. So if it's in reverse, but no turn signal, 
I think it. I think generally I would still give it to George. It's not as clean of a win, but I would probably still give it to him. Yeah, there's no other reason you're in reverse in a lane in the city. Well, he's just trying to go back in time. All right, here. I'm watching it right now. Okay. So while Chris is figuring this out, Patrick, let me ask you a question. What makes you more nervous? Parallel parking or backing into a parking spot? Oh, parallel parking. Because with backing in... I feel like, in general, I can do a pretty good job of that, but the problem with parallel parking, like, backing in, usually you're maybe in a parking lot or something, and there might be other cars going around, but they're in a parking lot, they understand it's a congested situation, everyone's going Mm. slow. Parallel parking, if you make a mistake and have to pull back out, or there's a person behind you or in front of you who wants to leave while you're parallel parking... Mm. The pressure's on, and that pressure makes it even more difficult for me to park. So if you screwed up a parallel park, you know, you're in the flow of traffic. If you pull out, do you just have to leave? Are you too embarrassed to try again? I will usually, if it's really, if it's rush hour, maybe I'll leave and go, (laughs) with shame, park in the garage, because it's just not going to happen that day. You know, I'll pay the $2 or whatever. But if it's not that busy, I'll give it another go. See, when I was first learning to drive... Parallel parking was fine. For whatever reason, when I was learning to drive, the instructor taught me some sort of trick or something for parallel parking, and it it just clicked for me. It was okay. But backing into the spot always made me nervous, and I distinctly remember taking my driving test, and I got to the end, and I, like, go to back into the spot. It's the last thing he wants. It's the spot at ICBC, at the driver's license office or something? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, so we're here at the end, so if you just want to pull it in in reverse. So I back it up. And I'm really nervous about getting this right. And so I back up the car, I'm looking, I'm taking forever, and then pull back, stop the car, and you know the, the trick everyone does. You look out the window and you look to see where the line is. And it's perfect. There's like a great, like just the, that comfortable margin of distance between the car and the line. And so I'm really excited. He stopped, I turn off the car, and he's like, okay, you passed the test, da da da. Let's just go inside and we'll get your license. So as we get out of the car, as we're walking away from it, I look back. I'm parked right on a line of a parking spot. And the reason why the line looked so good was because (laughs) it's just the line from the outsides of the other parking spots around me. I've actually parked all the way down the middle, like Pac-Man eating a pellet. So I was walking in front of the guy, facing him and talking to him because I didn't want him to look back to the car and see what a bad job I did. He never looked back. You know, there is a trick with backing in. If you pull alongside, right beside the the spot, Mm -hmm. like perpendicular, and then you pull forward until like your butt is sort of like the back left corner is like right near like that line. Mm -hmm. And you back in. It's like butter. Save it for ATP. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait. To be neutral? I was going to say neutral. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like... So what is the verdict here, Chris? Is he in reverse? It's really tough to tell. You see him kind of move his hand down, but you don't know where the gear shift is, if it's the one kind of on the... If it's the one on the steering wheel, you know, I can see maybe he's in there already. There's no other indication. He's certainly not reaching down anywhere close to where that emergency brake is. So it's ambiguous. We'll never it's ambiguous. This. Okay, so Elaine gets out of the car. She's going to go up to Jerry's tell him what's going on while 
while George is figuring this thing out. George wants a good chair reserved for him, which seems like a kind of turdish move. Uh, and Elaine heads up to uh, Jerry's apartment. She's frazzled. She needs to drink a Hennigan's first thing. Uh, why does Jerry keep his liquor under the sink? Because I feel like that's where I keep, I don't know, Drano, maybe bleach, dishwasher, uh, liquid. He's not a big drinker. He's not drinking this scotch. But even if you don't, why would you put it underneath there? I don't understand. Hmm. Do you know how small apartments are in New York City, Cameron? Well, I've seen Jerry's. It's an okay size. It's a pretty big apartment. Yeah, he does. It's unrealistic. So, the reason Elaine needs this Hennigan's... A pack of wild teens in a convertible were taunting them, chasing them into the city. Follow them. George tried to lose them. They fired a gun into the air. But then when they got into the city, they just turned around and went home. Wouldn't be kill. Oh, and uh, they hit a pothole. I like how Elaine describes this fake pack of teenagers as extremely wild. <laughs> yeah. Some extremely wild teenagers. Uh, like, you know, every teenager is wild. These ones are just particularly rambunctious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great story. It's a great yarn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make very much sense. No, Jerry buys it in the moment, though. Mm-hmm. He He's... does is the thing, and that's... Yeah, he does seem to completely buy it. And he's only concerned that they're okay. He's a considerate man. What a great friend Elaine is. Just lying mm-hmm. to Jerry, right to his face. It's her best job lying. Um, so... So, Elaine gets away with this, but what she does not get away with is Kramer being upset about uh, them going to a flea market without him. He does some shunning. And uh, then, you know, Jerry and Kramer see there's a commotion on the street. Everyone goes down. It's a Olympiad of stubbornness. (laughs) It's a really strange situation on the street. Um... Like, they've already attracted so much attention, yet I can't imagine in almost any city except for an extremely small one would people take time out of the day to stop and watch and see who's going to get this parking spot. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a town of, say, 50 people. But right now, right right then and there, I don't know what exactly uh, people have to watch here, aside from two angry bald men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of angry, Mike seems kind of insane. Did you hear his laugh? He sounds really hey. crazy. Um, well, it's because he's being a phony. Anyway, uh, Elaine lets George in on the lie. Thinks the whole thing's uh, the whole thing smoothed over. George is pretty excited about the lie, and uh, then we see that. Kramer's still missed at both George and Elaine. They apologize, though. Do you think it's okay for Kramer to be miffed about not being invited to this thing? Well, uh, not really. Because they're not, they're not tight friends. Like, at this point, mostly just uh, Kramer is Jerry's neighbor. You know, he's not really close friends with uh And my George neighbor and is my neighbor's friend. Is that that a... Is that that popular expression? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, and I really like, though, that Elaine explains forgetfulness in terms of Home Alone. That the whole movie is based on forgetting. Yeah. Uh, it actually is a pretty good example of how people forget. Mm-hmm. You get up in, uh, in the morning, you're in a rush, the commotion of the day, your life just sweeps you away like the ocean carries away a grain of sand. And then there's Kevin on the beach. That's a good drink, Kevin on the beach. <laughs> um, reminds me of Ikea Monkey. You know, his fate, Chris, it's being sealed soon in court. I know. She's suing again. Again? Or she's appealing or something. I forget. <clears throat> um, so good luck, Ikea, Mom. The, uh, the scene is interrupted because a big ice cream truck needs to get in <laughs> to deliver things. He's upset because they're not going to move, but he's got this whole truck full of ice cream. It's going to melt if they don't move. So what they do is they get two nonpartisan drivers to move the car because they don't trust each other while the ice cream truck loads its... Uh, so neither one's stuff. conservative or a liberal. Mm-hmm. What I like is that, number one, why is it a truck full of ice cream? Hey, pal, I got this truck full of ice cream here. Like, what is going on that there's this... Because ice cream melts. And, it means and what, it, but wouldn't it, it, it be a refrigerated truck? That is my other thought. What sort of... No. No, what sort of no. strange Mickey Mouse operation do we have no. going here? It's like, you just load it up in this truck, yeah. drive quickly, it's going to melt. <laughs> yeah, he's backing it up into this refrigerated dairy processing facility. The truck is cold, loaded up, there's a timer. <laughs> he's got 20 minutes to get to the store to deliver this ice cream. I think Isn't this the plot of speed? Isn't that what happened? Yeah, I think so. Cool. If he doesn't deliver the ice cream on time, the ice cream blows up. Spoiler. Uh... Well, if you haven't seen Speed by now. Um, what is the uh, length of term on, on spoilers for movies? I feel like... I don't know. Five years, you've got to have seen that movie. If you're going to complain... I mean, I don't... If the movie is this year, I think you have a right to be upset if you don't get a bit of a warning. Mm-hmm. If it's still in theaters, beyond that, watch it on Netflix. Stop being a baby. Yeah, uh, so to give credit, a popular guest co-host of What's the Deal show, Justin Armstrong, asked me this the other day. Um, I feel like for maybe super iconic movies, maybe you can have a little bit longer. You know what, I would I would still probably ask someone if I was thinking about it. This is the other thing you have to be cognizant. But, you know, I wouldn't probably say blurt out the ending to say The Sixth Sense. No. Even though that is a common cultural thing that people talk about, how he was dead the whole time. Oh, you just ruined it. I'm just going to call this episode spoilers. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, you know what? We didn't I all showed... know that Haley Joel Osment was dead the whole time, okay? <laughs> As it turns out, I showed this movie to a bunch of teenagers recently. Mm-hmm. Well, relatively recently. None of them had seen it. No one knew the ending. Wow. They were shocked. So that's the thing, you know, as time goes by, it's still an impactful movie. This one's kind of in the in the cultural zeitgeist, you know? I feel less concerned about the spoiler I gave at the beginning of the show about Superman Returns. So do I need to be concerned about talking about, like, Psycho, then? He was dead the whole time. <laughs> Turns out they were all ghosts. I don't know. 
I feel like I. So I mean, five years. That's your rule. Five years. You think is good. Five years. Yeah. Chris Young. Yeah, that sounds all right. Five years. I have one week. <laughs> the day after it premieres. If you really cared, you should have gone to the midnight screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on if I like you or not. I think honestly, people just need to be stop being babies about spoilers. If they really care about this movie, they see it. Otherwise, if someone starts talking about a movie that you really want to see, just tell them to stop talking or yeah. fast forward or pause your podcast or whatever. You know, don't be a baby. You're responsible for your own dealing with like not having a movie spoiled. That's just kind of my thing. I feel like once the movie's been out, especially for years, like you said, if you were really that interested in watching the movie, I feel like you probably should have watched it by now. And I'm, I, you know, I always feel contrite when I apologize if someone feels like I ruined something for them. But you know what? When I spoiled the ending of Thelma and Louise for my mother, I mean, that movie had been out forever. Did it come out before I was born? Like, honestly, like, the, the final scene of that movie... Which I guess you spoiled. That's right. Is shown in like highlights of famous movie scenes all the time. The Simpsons you know, did it. Yeah. Honestly, no. If you're upset that Thumbnail Lee's is spoiled for you, you should have watched that movie years ago. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so, so moving along. So we learned that Jerry, he's not as dumb as he seems. He does not believe that uh, Elaine and Jerry's story. But uh, I don't think he really lets on at this point. You know, I don't think he specifically says that he doesn't believe it. He uh, doesn't. I, have a pro- I, I don't know if I have a problem with how this goes. Because it seems very genuine, his response to Elaine in the scene. And later on, it does like I, the switch is not obvious. It feels like it happens off screen. Um, you know, uh, tensions are high down there, so maybe Jerry's just become irritated yeah. over time down there. You know, it's a hot night in the city. Yeah, even the ineffable Sid, who you might remember from the episode where George moves the cars around the whole time, he does not like the commotion on the street. Every time George is involved with driving, there's a commotion. He does not like it. And But you know what? George is putting up a stand about the parking rights of people everywhere. <laughs> you know? And, you know, the yeah. people on the street, they're getting involved. Everyone. everyone they are. There's uh, a little boy who shows up in a later episode, the no-fat yogurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, gets into an argument with a man who I can only describe as a pirate. Very <laughs> yeah. strange casting. It's like, yar. You always be pulling in from the front. Yeah, this is from NBC Central Casting, all these people. <laughs> they, they're they just there to be in anything that's on TV that week. They'll do whatever, you know. Soaps, dramas, Seinfeld. Pull them all in. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I cannot get enough of that guy. He is so strange. Yeah. Um, and so over the course of this, Jerry spoils the news for this kid that his dad's business is going under. Mm-hmm. Uh... To which his mother does not respond uh, kindly. Yeah, she's she's pretty upset. She thinks Jerry's a real idiot. And, uh, you know, 
in an aside, she starts talking to Kramer. You know, they're chatting. She says she doesn't know about his friend Jerry sometimes. And Kramer congratulates her on being pregnant. (laughs) She is not pregnant. That is just the absolute worst thing you can possibly do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think in everyone's life, there's been a point where you kind of look at someone and you think, is that a baby baby bump? Is there a baby happening there? But (laughs) never, never say it. No. No. That is the first and possibly only rule. And you know, even if the person is like eight and a half months pregnant, you know, they've got quite a bump protruding from their belly there. I think that pregnant ladies like mentioning that they're pregnant. I yeah. think it's one of the big perks, you know. You say, well, I'm pregnant, and then people can be, oh, congratulations. Oh. You know, and if you just say congratulations before they even say anything, you're robbing them. Be considerate. Yeah. Don't spoil them being pregnant. <laughs> that city ruined the pregnancy for me. Yeah, exactly. They want the opportunity to tell the story. They don't want you spoiling it. Yeah. Um, and anyway, Jerry, at this point, he's worried that he seems phony. He's genuine. It's getting to him. It's a problem. Uh, and then we have Newman show up. This is a real... There's a lot of cast in this episode on the scene. Newman shows up. It's true. He thinks that pulling in headfirst is a breakdown in the social order. It's jungle law. Kind of is. Because there's no... There is no law there. It's just you see, you take with, mm-hmm. the, with the head first pull in. Especially in the single spot. The you parallel know. park is very civilized. It's a whole thing. You know, you pull up, you signal, you put it in reverse, you back in. You're always paying attention to all the steps. You're always checking your distance. You're trying really hard to not bump those other cars. It's very civilized. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It's it's like a ballet. But you know what? It's hard because it's hard to indicate that you're going to go past this spot and then start backing up. And so when you're on a busy road and you kind of pull ahead of that spot to begin your back in, and then that other car is too close behind you and you've got your reverse lights on, you've got your blinker on, and... You're kind of giving a sorry hand, but it's not quite an I'm sorry hand. It's also Go like, around, yeah, it's the know? get out of the way hand. It's, uh, you depend on this whole society being intact for this park to happen. Yeah. And that's where the jungle law park comes in. That's why if you're just pulling face first, if you're like Pete Rose, no. <laughs> um... So, we also see that uh, George's worry slash fantasy of wearing a hat, you know, that a woman will be attracted to him because he's not bald, but he's going to have to reveal it at some point. It happens. A woman likes him. (laughs) She agrees with his whole stance on parking. It's uh, pretty funny, this little scene here, because the way that Newman (laughs) just suddenly wants to try on george's hat Mm -hmm. why is newman so jovial and happy and friendly all of a sudden with george Uh, i feel like the newman i know would just kind of pluck it off his head Mm -hmm. he would still sound kind of happy newman always sounds kind of happy in his interactions with most people most of the time but he would just kind of pluck it off and be like i think i shall try this hat on george 
it looks quite fetching or something, you know, with this false uh, verboseness. Mm-hmm. No, is this the first Newman? No. no, there's been there was the hospital episode, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there was also the original episode, the where suicide, was, the suicide, and right. there was another episode where there was one scene with him, and they changed it in the syndication ones, I think, and the DVD. Or just now in this in this with this outfit he's got on, he's looking he's looking very Nedry, I gotta say. Dotson, we got Dotson here. Dotson here. See, no one cares. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, don't go cheap on me, Dodson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he does. But uh, then, in a key moment, Jerry breaks the vault. And he says that he knows that Mike said that he's a phony. I mean, Mike's upset with Kramer, but mostly he's, I don't know why he cares. But he's trying to get back on Jerry's good side. He says that he said he's phony in a complimentary way. <laughs> I like when Jerry says, use it in a sentence. And his example sentence is, man, that Michael Jordan is so phony. <laughs> uh, it's really funny sounding. I tried to imagine if it caught on. Uh, I don't know what I would do because it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, because at this time, that was when people said bad in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Bart Simpson might say something's bad. Yeah. Or Michael Jackson might. Sure. He was good friends with uh, Bart Simpson. There you go. Now, I remember they did this exact same joke on Fresh Prince, where Will refers to his Aunt Vivian as being old. She finds out. And he says, ah, you know, it's just how the, it's how the kids are saying good these days. It's like, I'm Vivian, you're so old. <laughs> I don't that think he bought it either. Works well every time. Is this a deleted scene from After Earth? That's right. You know, I was in the bookstore today. I found the novelization of After Earth on the shelf. Oh, wow. I bet that Did you know that... Speaking of movies that no one wanted to acknowledge that M. Night Shyamalan had a part in, did you know that M. Night Shyamalan, I knew that he had written Stuart Little, the children's book with the mouse that flies a planner or something. Is that uh, the one that turns out the mouse is dead the whole time? Yes, that's right. He also wrote... Mouse in the Water. He ghost wrote... The Mouse Village. <laughs> The, the mouse, last mouse bender. <laughs> <laughs> he ghost wrote "She's All That" with Rachel wait, wait, Lee wait. Cook and, 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 and Fred and Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, that was a Shyamalan script. She's all that. Yeah, it turns out in the end she's been a mouse the whole time. <laughs> Chris, that mouse burned down thirty years ago. <laughs> um, ghost mouse. So, right at the end, the cops are telling the cars to get out of the way. Even the cops can't agree on what the right thing to do is. They get into this feud. Jerry's had enough. He goes up to watch the fight. It's too late. It's over. Now, I love when Jerry goes up and he closes the window that you can hear Mike and George still fighting outside. 
And the guy's like, well, you'll have to go eventually. And George shouts out that he doesn't have a job. And then Mike, rising to the challenge, just says, neither do I! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that George and his bizarro twin are just fighting over that parking spot outside. And they're kind of reveling in their uh, absolute patheticness to right the wrong, or their perceived wrong about the parking spot. Yeah. And then uh, the only other note I have for this scene is that the count is Larry David counting the boxer out. Oh, I didn't it is. That. It sure is. Classic Larry David. LD. Yeah. Larry David. Yeah. Uh, Larry London, David was dead the whole time. London Drugs? LD? No, yep. well, his, uh, what's that guy's name? Like, Le- Leroy Black, who lives with uh, Larry David in the late seasons. He calls him LD. Mm. Oh, yeah, the Blacks. Yeah. Um... So yeah, the the end of the episode, we got the monologue. People really want a parking space. They're driving around. The problem is, they're making lots of cars. They're not making any more spaces. I mean, that is not strictly true. They're adding more garages. So in Detroit, they just need to start making more spaces. Everyone will be happy. I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous bit. It's kind this of this is pretty weak. I I can see the humor though. You know what? This is the sort of joke that you would kind of like stick into the middle of your routine yeah and people are already in a good mood so they're gonna laugh at this one but it's just a carry to the next big punch you know yeah although what i did get out of this on this outro is that it must be incredibly stressful to find parking in new york city yeah it must be terrible in my mind there are no parking spots and Jerry talks about how when people get a good spot, they just never move their car again. Yeah. Which I really like the idea. There's just like this gutted, rusty, like Model T sitting somewhere. Yeah, I got a car. <laughs> got a really good spot for it right out front. I do feel bad whenever I lose a good spot, though. Like, in front of where I live, there's a lot of competition for street parking. And what happens is that when I get home from work, when I get home from my first job, at least... The good spots are always there, right in front. Then I always have to leave later uh, to like finish my day. And by the time I get back, all those spots are gone. It's infuriating. I often think about how I wish I could somehow... like. I used to have these cones from BC Hydro. And I always kind of think about how I wish I had those cones. And I would just lay them out in a parking spot space and then come back and claim them. I think if any of your neighbors saw you doing that, you'd get your car you got one of those stickers on your car well i would deserve it let's hope it doesn't come to that right. so uh final thoughts on this episode chris young what do you think um i don't love this episode there's not many really good laughs it's not a lot of really good jokes in this episode i don't know i, didn't, I just didn't laugh at all i wasn't really into it I think it I think it raises some very interesting points about the nature of pedal parking and ownership of spots. You enjoy the philosophy of the episode, if not the life. I enjoy the debate that it creates. Hmm. The high minded philosophical it's important, it's important that we have a national conversation about this. Ethical debate. Yeah. Uh Patrick Armstrong, what do you think? Um I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was good as the last week's episode, the Catherine Keener episode. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, it had it had a few good laughs. It was good to see George's stubbornness. I enjoyed that part. Do we see Mike Moffat again? I feel like we do. Uh, yes, we yeah, do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We see Mike Moffat again in the the Susie. This is the name of the episode, the Susie. Okay. Cameron, what did you think? I actually like this episode quite a bit. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I love the sort of look on rules of society. I think that's when Seinfeld's at its strongest, kind of analyzing the nuances of the rules of society. Uh, Yeah, so pretty funny. Not my favorite episode, but not bad. All right. Let me ask you this question about a rule of society. When you put the toilet paper on, does it hang over the top or around the back? Over the top. Over the top. Over the top. It's definitely over the top. Well, anyone that anyone that doesn't do that just needs to be put in some sort of institution. Well, I have heard that people who have cats, like some cats like to to roll the toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And so if you have it around the back, then they don't unwind all your toilet paper. So I think in an extemporaneous circumstance, you can have it the other way. But otherwise, you're putting it on the other way. I think we're talking about the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for today's other business, you can check it out by going over to whatsthedealshow.com. When you're there, check out the show notes, check out the other business, check out this week's gut-bustingly hilarious photograph by none other than Christopher Young. (laughs) And... (laughs) Uh... Take it to mean you don't like it that much. No, it's funny. I liked it a lot. Okay, good. Patrick, did you like the picture this week? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's good. Take a look. Take a look right now. Um, and so you know what? This week's other business, you don't need to necessarily check out a link. What you actually uh, need to do if you want to be a part of the conversation is to head on over to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash what's the deal show. Now, we've had some questions put forward to us, so I'm going to uh, pose them to you, fine gentlemen. Uh, I'm sure longtime listener Tommy Del Vecchio De Luca. And he was a longtime listener until I tried to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks What is your favorite Seinfeld season and why? Patrick, do you have a sense? Favorite Seinfeld season. If it would be easier for you, you know, you could kind of like group an era of Seinfeld together, you know, like early, mid, and late. I think the later seasons I tend to like better. Like, I really like when they do the cold open, like on the street or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, the monologue open is fine, but I really prefer the, the cold open where something happens. And it's just sometimes like a little vignette. Little skit, and then the rest of the episode starts. Christopher Young, uh, what's your thought? Favorite favorite season of Seinfeld, or you know, you could break it down as as Patrick did. Uh, I'm in agreement. You know, there's like a conventional wisdom, it seems, on the internet that the show goes downhill after Larry David leaves. And as much as I love Larry David, I actually disagree. I like it a lot as soon as Larry David leaves, and it just gets they get really strange after that like my favorite episode is the the merv griffin episode where they guess the merv griffin set 
Yeah, and he's and he's and they're they're drugging Gary's girlfriend to play with her toys. Like I I love all of that. That that era of Seinfeld is is my favorite. Well, let's go ahead and make it three for three. Uh, as soon as the show loses the monologue, I yeah. think that is the marker of the best storylines. Uh, you know what? I know everyone who I think, you know, I don't want to offend any of our listeners, but I think generally people who are not sort of like ardent fans of the show just kind of stick to the kind of conventional wisdom of season four of Seinfeld is the best. But you know what? The show grows so much from there. And I think that when they really open it up in the post Larry David era, I think that's when I found the show to be the funniest. And I think to its credit, I think that people who didn't follow the show the whole way through still find it very funny, right? It's not like you need to intimately know these characters the whole way through. So uh, in that respect, I think think they continue to do just like a really great job, I don't know, after Larry David left. And the, the writing staff, they just, they were really willing to kind of open up the format. Yeah, I think George's character really develops when he starts getting jobs, you know, when he's working at Play Now. He's working at Kruger Industrial Smoothing. Yeah, I love all that stuff. And then stuff. at the Yankees, like you really see his character blossom. Uh, it's it's really great. So another cr- reader question. It's a it's an all follow up other business today. Good friend, Mikey Seeps. Uh, he wants to know if we had to do uh, a second choice of a TV show. But you know what? There is no second choice. So I'll Mikey Seeps. I'm exercising editorial control of your question after we finished what's the deal show if we were going to do another television series and he describes it as an intricate 90 minute long episode by episode podcast i like this guy (laughs) uh what show would it be so mikey seeps thinks uh a good fit for us would be married with children it's an interesting choice he thinks curb would be an obvious pick but uh he doesn't find it as funny as Seinfeld. So thoughts, uh, let's start with Chris Young this time. Chris, what would you do? Um, there would be two obvious ones for me, but we'd have to structure it a little bit differently, mm-hmm. I think. Um, my choice would to be to do select episodes from either Star Trek The Next Generation or Simpsons. Hmm. I mean, there aren't enough Star Trek podcasts. There's <laughs> probably not. about 75 at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would love to do Simpsons. Um, but we'd have to be, we'd have to, we'd have to do it like BBC Office style. You know, we're not, we're not going forever on that. Oh, miniseries. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah. Like maybe like 10, 12 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are there's so many Simpsons episodes. It's impossible. So many Star Trek episodes. So it's only like 1,800 episodes of The Simpsons. Come on. Yeah. I mean, there's only 10 years that's good, but... It's the last 10, 10 years. years, I know. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. Except for the first season. The first season's gold. <laughs> uh, Patrick, uh, what, what's your thoughts? I mean, don't say Valky cast. <laughs> I mean, my, my initial thought is just nothing. I feel like when we're done, <laughs> when we're done this show, it's going to have literally been years. I'm amazed we've done it as far as we have. I feel like we're going to be burned out. We're going all the way through to the end. I agree, but I think after that we're going to be 
you know, we're gonna have these gray beards. But maybe we'll we'll take a break. We're gray all in, we're all gonna enjoy whittling more than we do now. But maybe we'll take That's... a little break. We'll take a, like a breather, and then we're gonna come back. A new show. Our fans are clearly gonna want more. Because I'll tell That's... you this right now: when they don't hear your voice, Patrick, they they can't sleep at night. It eats them up inside. They love my dulcet tones. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Well, I don't know. Simpsons and uh, Star Trek in a miniseries style thing that could work maybe we could do one year we do 10 episodes of simpsons next year we do 10 episodes of uh star trek so one one episode a month sure and then two months off yeah (laughs) or no no we could record 10 episodes and just like start at february and end it in april oh i see leave them leave them wanting more yeah i mean look at you getting off being withholding Mm -hmm. arrested i just i just i just want to give just want to give Actually, Arrested Development is not a, a bad choice. Wait, was that what you were going to suggest, Cameron? Uh, it, w- it was one of my suggestions. I, I have a few. So if we were staying in the realm of comedy, uh, comedy TV shows, I think our podcast format would remain pretty similar. Um, Arrested Development. Or uh, The Office, maybe. I really like The Office. But the problem is I just don't know that I have enough to say about The Office. But actually, that's not true. Because as I'm sitting at the couch watching The Office, I'm constantly doing it. Because I'll tell you this, I've got several hours worth of things that I'm going to say about Neil and his bad management strategies. Uh, Neil, what a jerk face. Could you imagine, Chris, our opportunity to finally just fully vent on Neil? Such, he's such stupid hair, too. I mean, you know so what? so handsome, I just want to punch him with kisses. <laughs> Awful. Uh, but you know what? I also really think that going outside of comedy would actually fit the format of our show really well. So I think select episodes of Star Trek, like doing uh, maybe even like a variety dance through original series, Next Generation, so on and so forth, would be pretty funny. Because, I mean, I, I have just, a lot to say about... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I got a lot to say about those shows. Because like when they go to the cowboy <laughs> planet... Oh man, or the Nazi planet? Oh, yeah. It's a dangerous place. Right. Or when the holodeck malfunctions and they're on the cowboy Nazi planet. I think that's every episode. Every episode's kind yeah. of like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I, uh, you know, so you're afraid to do something more ambitious, though. Eh? You don't want to go too many episodes, Patrick. Is, I just, is I this just commitment showing you something. No, I just feel like I just feel like I want to create. I just want to do like one series. That's the thing we talk about. And then, you know, the other things are just a special add-on. So now people are probably nervous. Felix is probably at Carl Johans Park listening to this on his uh, iPhone right Mm -hmm. now. Or Android. Well, I mean, he's he's from Northern Europe. He's listening to a Nokia Lumia. Okay, so he's on his Lumia 920. And he's probably nervous now thinking, is there going to be more What's the Deal show at the end of Seinfeld? Well, I mean, he's got literally years of listening, you know. It's not enough. Or two. We're talking Scientology-type contracts here. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of years? That's right. Whew. You didn't read the fine print, did you? No. Uh, they, they rarely do. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know we were in Sea Org. That's right. <laughs> Gotta get clear. I can't... 
Can't believe this is what our show's about today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Meredith Tilton is an interesting choice. I don't know if I could do it, but I would be more than happy to stare at, like, primary Christina Applegate for half an hour a week all the time. That would that'd be just fine with me. She was a babe in cut-off jeans. And it went there, because it always does. It certainly does. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal? The show where Chris makes inappropriate comments about people on television and their physical appearance. So thanks for those questions, guys. Yeah. Uh, little little bit of a shorter episode this week. We gotta we gotta take care of Chris Young. He's sick. He needs he needs to get his rest. So I think I think we'll cut it off here for uh, this week. Uh, tune in next week where we will be analyzing. The Keys, the 40th episode of Seinfeld, and yet not the 40th episode of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually uh, a big cliffhanger, a multi-episode arc. Is it the first Wait, multi-episode arc? Is, is it of our show, then? Uh, episode 39, I think, will be our show. Because there was one double I... episode. Oh. And it counted as two episodes in the like production codes. Oh, okay. So, in The Keys, Jerry... Uh, demands his spare keys back from Kramer, which begins a giant exchange of spare keys amongst the gang. Kramer decides to break free of the shackles of his life and to move to California to become an actor. Uh, Meanwhile, Elaine has been working on a little pet project, an episode of Murphy Brown. Well, there we go, Murphy Brown cast. Love Murphy Brown. Maybe we do Murphy Brown, huh? What about Coach? Yeah. What about Major Dad? What about Cheers? Oh, Cheers cast. Have we done that joke? <laughs> what about Frasier? Fraggle Rock cast. Oh, Fraggle Rock. Uh, yeah. And so that's uh, that's my summary of next week's episode. It's going to be a good episode. We've got a good show. we got a good show lined up for you next week. We haven't planned anything, but it's going to be good. We got some great guests next week. I don't want to over hint, but it might rhyme with Ari Beinfeld. Oh? Do you think people are excited now? No. Because he's not going to be on our show. He's touring right now. He's busy. Yeah, busy man. We can't get Harry Beinfeld. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> a big deal. But you know what? Maybe you want to find out what Harry Beinfeld actually is. Well, head on over to What's the Deal show. Dot com, where you can check out today's show notes. You can check out other business. You can listen to all the back episodes, all the pictures. We've got it all there. We've got it all curated for you, so you don't have to. When you're listening to this show, just turn your brain off. Don't research anything. We've, we've got it together. You can look at it later when you're at home. And then when you're done that, Patrick, what should they do next? Well, you might want to hit us up on Twitter. We tweet at WTD Show. Uh... You can star tweets. You'll post all the episodes there so you don't miss them. If you don't use a, a podcatcher, as uh, people might have called it in 2007. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you can send us at messages. You can say things to us. You can do anything, really. We'll talk about you on the air. We might. Uh, <laughs> we will. Uh, you could also... You could also uh, like us on Facebook. You go to facebook.com slash what's the deal show. Hit that like button. 
we post all the episodes there too. They'll show up in your timeline. You know, you're checking out, trying to avoid your your uh, parents and aunts and uncles posts on your timeline. You'll see what's the deal in there. It'll be a welcome reprieve. You know, you can post questions there. Mm-hmm. Whole thing. A reprieve from the deluge of your life. Mm-hmm. Chris Young. The fun doesn't yeah. stop there. What else can they do? Oh, that's a good question. They can go to iTunes. And, you know, they can join in. They can rate which show they think we should do after this show. You know? You know maybe it's Blossom. Huh? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, Boy meets uh, welcome back, Cotter, you know? Up your maybe nose. Save for the bell. A rubber hose. Maybe it's WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, that'd be a good one, yeah. So you can, you can rate one to five. My mother in the car. Yeah. You know what? I usually say you only got five. You can do, you can do any of them. We want to see the whole gamut of suggestions for, for, for for what's the deal the college years mtms so how do they Mary vote on this? do they just show. download episodes of those ones and whichever no, episodes go into the top downloads that'll be our next show no you vote five stars and we'll know we'll no, know anyway. i mean or I you know you can care of all that you can write a review that would be really great it would be very a review helpful of the show yeah of our show oh so not the mary tyler moore show well you could you could do whatever you want the but what, uh, the what's the deal show it's really helpful if you write a review of our show it's true. That's how we Say get new like and it. noteworthy. That's how we get back in there. We're in there. Oh, okay. We're back. That's how we get to the top of Are new we and back? noteworthy. Oh, we're back, baby. Sweet. You know what else? <laughs> if you like Tumblr, go to What's the Deal Show. Follow us on Tumblr. You can give us those hearts. You can retumble blog us or whatever it is. Retumble. Retumbla. You can. Are those the things? You do those things, sure, oh, yeah. I don't know. You do the whole thing. I don't have a Tumblr. I think right. it's pronounced Tumblr. Tumblr. I think it's pronounced David Carp. <laughs> Marco Arment. Marco Arment. Oh my god, okay, you know what? I know that you guys like to kind of hate on that guy a little bit. I don't mind that guy. No, I like Never. him. Fine. Okay, never in the history of baldness has a man needed to shave his head as much as that guy has always that guy has been going bald while having hair every time i see a photo of him he has the thinnest hair he just needs to shave it off mark warman if you're listening i know you are shave your damn head already you look a bit like homer simpson (laughs) it doesn't look good does it well we're never getting on five by five now well he's not he's not on five by five we're not we're never getting on atp we're getting on to 5x5 five five now. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, thank you, my... Uh, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'll go again. As always, thank you very much for tuning in, listening to the show. I guess you don't have to tune. There's no dial. Uh... We appreciate that everyone uh, keeps coming in. Thanks for all the feedback on Facebook, on Twitter. We read all your messages, and most of the time we respond or like your posts. It's really great. It's motivating. If you saw Patrick right now, he doesn't even look remotely bored. He looks extremely excited, and it's it's thanks to your undying loyal support. I am excited at your loyalty. So as always, a hearty thank you from Christopher Young. Thank you. Heartily. Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And myself, Cameron Wong. Thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week. 
So you think Marco yeah. meant it? Hmm? What? <laughs> Are you alright, Chris? Yeah. What about Mark Gorman? You think he's gonna, you know, send some of his people, hire some people with his money because he made fun of his hair? Hope so. He doesn't have any hair. 